I'm a native New Yorker Putting a shoney on the scene I swear I'm not important Just want my water clean Welcome to Community Vos Radio Show. I'm Junga Subidar, your moderator today. And we are your uniquely eco-feminist and indigenous feminist radio show coming to you from Bellingham, Washington, the deep north of the Pacific Northwest. On the show today, we are talking about the International Women's Day that's happening and how um, that relates to ecofeminism and indigenous feminism and what it means to us as women of color. And the first song is a native New Yorker by Dio Gandhi, who was a queer Mohawk Cherokee rapper and who went to Standing Rock last year to enjoy uh, to join indigenous nations from all over to fight the Dakota Access Pipeline. And um, we're playing Gandhi's music because they intersect uh, social issues with gender and justice and uses hip-hop to tell a story of um, their experience as a water protector um, at Standing Rock and in general. So hope you enjoy that. This night's on repeat, I still feel it in my bones. I drifted in a sleep, still in yesterday's clothes. I sense the rising heat and my body unfroze. I jumped to my feet once the smoke hit my nose. Somehow I didn't choke, but I was clearly breathing. I swore I put on my coat because the weather was freezing. From my TV, I rose hearing shouts that we leaving. Started to get the froze till I woke up from dreaming. But I swore sister spoke, said saddle up, let's go. We move by call load and it's never too full. So open up that door, there's room for one more. Just drop your own ego to stand with the people. Defend from these evils, it's never So you were just listening to Native New Yorker Mix by Dio Gandhi. And today our guests are Rosalinda Guillen, Brenda Bentley, and Gabo Dom. Welcome to the show. Hi, everybody. Hi. Hello. So we are coming around to um, International Women's Day again, which started in 1909, I think, by the International Socialist Party. Happens every year, International Women's Day. <laughs> what does that <laughs> mean is, for This is Rosalinda, all? everybody out yeah. there. Hello, radio audience, supporters of C2C. And I know that there's many listening who question where we're coming from, why we do what we do, and how we do it. So this is a good way for you to find out, is to actually listen mm. to what we're saying, um, which is we keep bringing that up. So welcome to our radio show, and thank you, Janga. I just wanted to thank Janga for taking the leadership in providing some structure for us because activism gets kind of crazy sometimes. <laughs> and this opportunity for of sure. being, having our own radio show is actually very important for all of us um, because uh, I don't know if many of you have noticed, but you don't see us on the front page of the Bellingham Herald 
unless we're being threatened with deportation or racial profiling, racial profiling or yeah. uh, possibly jailing for extremist behavior mm -hmm. in Whatcom County. So um, anyway, right. we don't get much media coverage, I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so this radio show is really important to us. And, um, you know, International Women's Day is really important to me personally. Uh, C2C, and I'm just going to, can I just like digress to a little bit of history here? Yeah, It's not going to take very it. long. Um, in 2000 and, uh, 2000 and I believe 2004 or 5 through 2010, Community to Community hosted International Women's Day, uh, big International Women's Day events. We had marches, we had um, actions. It, it all ended with a beautiful gathering of women, all types of women with music and poetry and art um, and all different ages, right? So people came to our organization to join in organizing International Women's Day activities because we are a women-led organization. So um, it was very successful. I think tonight I'm going to be on the Stephanie Contouras show with some of those women that helped to pull that together. Uh, we lost steam in doing that because of all of the actions that C2C continued to do that. But I want to say, I say that because International Women's Day has always been important to, to the organization. And it's something that we need to remember. But then we also decided that as a women-led organization, Women's Day is every day. And it has to be embodied in everything that we do as women. That everything, how we behave and what we do as an organization, because we're women-led, that this is the best way to really focus on International Women's Day, is to do it every day. However, it is International Women's Day coming up, and we, val we recognize that a lot of women look at it once a year and of course men do too some of them so um it's an opportunity for us to talk about it thank you for for asking me to to speak and i always take up way too much time <laughs> i will stop for a few minutes you're well, a good speaker so <laughs> we're glad yeah so how did this how did you come to um women's rights or feminism i think that's a kind of a central um, central idea, especially for women of color and labor rights, and I think as well um, on International Women's Day. So what do you think about feminism, Brenda? Um, <laughs> I think it's just something that, um, it's interesting because at my age I've seen the backlash for that word, and then I've seen it come around. Um, so I feel like we're in a better place in, in a way, um, you know, like that's used to be like a dirty word almost, you know, and it was equated with certain um, types of behavior, or, you know, and I think that's changed a lot. But for me, um, I don't think there was like a clear jump into feminism, but I came from uh, like a background of matriarchs. So I've been raised by my grandmother, my mother, my aunts, mm. and that's always been the strong presence in my life. And um, yeah, and then I think one one big thing was moving to Australia, and the women in Australia there, they're pretty tough. 
They don't play girly. They everything they do everything themselves. You know that there's no like, oh, can you come out here and change the tire for me, honey? I mean, they know how to change the tire, and it comes, I think, from the way they that Australia was colonized. You know, so um, that was also kind of important in my early twenties is being around women like that who mm-hmm. could just do everything and and be fully womanly, whatever that was to them as well. You know, and, mm-hmm. and and it embodies so many different things. What, right. I think that uh, redefining what feminism is or what even masculinity is or all of that um, is an important thing that we can think about on um, International Women's Day and generally in feminism. Uh, what about you, Gabo? Um, <clears throat> I'm a feminist through and through since I was very, very young. And I think it's because like Brenda, I was raised by women. And my hero is my grandmother. Um, She was given away at birth because she was a girl. Both my grandmothers were given away because they were girls. But my maternal grandmother, she was lucky enough, she got adopted by a couple who had means and who didn't have any children. And, but she went, my grandmother went on to have 11 kids. And she raised them all, and she um, was just an amazing woman. And she was not literate, but she was brilliant, and she was fearless. My mom was a political prisoner during the Vietnam War and disappeared for two years. And my grandfather, who was educated, was afraid to look for my mom. And my grandma got on the train, got on the buses, got in a taxi wherever. She went all over the southern Vietnamese countryside looking for my mother and she found her she never gave up on her she found my mother she did what she could to make sure that she didn't rot in prison and when she was released my grandma was there for her and she also managed to get her six sons not to fight in the war she she managed to get them hidden you know got new papers one was an asylum she was just a brilliant woman and she raised me um, and um, she always had faith in me that, you know, I would have the I would have the opportunities that she never had, and so I learned early on what it meant to be a feminist, what it meant to be a woman, and I was also lucky enough I came to this country late, so I was never indoctrinated into all those cultural norms and myths surrounding what girls are supposed to be like, what women were supposed to be like. I had a very good sense of self, and I think. You know, like Rosalinda was talking about how we should live our everyday lives as women, as feminists, and I think that's really important. You know, just kind of fight against all the patriarchal norms about what women should be. And being a feminist is a good thing because what we're asking for is just our equal rights as more than half of the population. That's right. (laughs) There's nothing bad about being a feminist. Why should it be a dirty, dirty word? We're just fighting for rights that men have. And no I, more, no less. And I think ultimately um, this whole concept that's been pulled together in the United States that's used, you know, capitalism has just swallowed that up even, right? right. So it's used in marketing. Uh, but ultimately it's a political decision about deciding to be a woman, right? It's a poli- it ends up being a political decision. We get put into these political boxes. You know, are you a feminist? Are you what are you? You know what? You know, and it's it's like a political decision, and I think that um, 
in the 60s it was defined that way that feminism that's when it, it first you know because i'm i'm older than brenda and it's like i would never have dared to call myself a feminist during the 60s and 70s it was just a a really dangerous thing to do i would i was going to be ostracized by my community because it it did it it denoted several types of you know types of behavior that were not acceptable in my community so it is a political decision but i think you know being a a, a woman ultimately i don't even i'm just even wondering whether we even need to use that f word anymore yeah. it's about being a better human being as a woman right and i think that was the experiment with community to community it's an experiment to to say how do we lead as women what does it mean to say that we are moving or building or supporting or being part of political movements as women what does that look like mm-hmm. i mean what you described is an absolutely beautiful story that is about being a human being to the to the maximum capacity of your essence of who you are as a mother right the same can be said as 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 men and fathers but when a woman does it it's a whole totally different perspective but um it's an interesting conversation that i think of course you know we all need to have but i think it's it's incredibly important that we do act on it every day mhm and i agree with you rosalinda feminism is kind of restrictive it it should be it's broader it's not even just about women it's also about our men mm-hmm. and our lgbtq community and what i hear from um the women of color at this table right now um is this this is more about how um women of color think of international women's day and feminism with grassroots feminism as opposed to maybe the more popular white feminism sometimes people call it that's out there as well and um grassroots feminism or the feminism that i feel like we practice at CDC and um in our communities is more about um intersecting oppressions and redefining power and and looking to the leadership of women of color and trans and queer women um and yeah i think that that that's really important it's it's a broader question than just about women yeah and we're living in pretty exciting times it feels like to me like there's this big growth and shift right now and it can be a little bumpy and everyone's trying to figure out um you know the new lexicon i guess for navigating who who we are and and gender uh politics it's it's yeah i think it's kind of it's like we're living through like revolutions within revolutions here mhm i <clears throat> i think that um what you said is is really true you you all are amazing women In, even our studio audience is women here today <laughs> <laughs> observing what we're talking about i mean i think it i am working with a group of amazing women um these days and um we can't ignore the fact that to be a woman to the nth degree of what we each of us believe womanhood is is a risky thing in our society today and we are all facing those those backlashes i guess and criticisms of why why we're doing what we're doing and um the boldness for moving forward i think it's really important but 
it, feminism or our behavior as women is not static. It, it evolves with the political moments, right? And I think at C2C, we're moving it forward even more than what is expected. And perhaps, like you said, it's bumpy, it's not yet clear, but we know we're moving in the right direction. And we're, we're beginning to have this dialogue among ourselves and with our supporters about us being what we're calling ourselves as eco-feminists, right? So we're moving beyond the political moment to what we see as future political moments as women. And what does that mean? Yes, we're going to go on a short break here and continue the discussion into uh, ecofeminism. And the song that we're going to uh, be playing at the break or in the break is by Alicia Keys, Superwoman. <laughs> You're listening to Community Devos Radio Show, and our guests here today are Rosalinda Guillen, Brenda Bentley, and Gabo Dam. And we're just talking about International uh, Women's Day and ecofeminism, indigenous feminism that is very close to our hearts. Um, Rosalinda, can you define ecofeminism and start that for us? Well, I can start the conversation. Um, and as you heard earlier, I said that community to community was, we considered when we formed it in 2004, that it was gonna be a great experiment by it being just being a women-led organization and then a women of color-led organization. And now we're moving into the area of looking at ecofeminism and what does it mean to lead as women and ecofeminists, right? Uh, part of the reason is 
and you've all could have heard me speak about this before, if not look for it, because I'm sure there's I'm out there somewhere repeating these things. But we were founded um, on two major concepts. One is the grassroots organizing and labor organizing of Cesar Chavez and the United Farm Workers of America, because I'm a farm worker. It's what I know. The other is the um, organizing models and political models of the World Social Forum in, in Brazil. And I was fortunate enough to attend several of the social forums in Porto Alegre, Brazil, where most of my time was spent with women. Women um, organizing movements around solidarity economy, participatory budgeting, and ecofeminism, which was a totally new concept to me. So what I understand of ecofeminism is what I was taught by seasoned organizers in Brazil that built part of the Land is People's Movement, the Workers' Party, and many other sustainability-type programs, you know, solidarity economy, cooperative development, all of these beautiful concepts, right? Mm -hmm. Ecofeminism, as I understand it from the women that I learned it from, and mind you all, I'm not, I didn't even graduate from high school, okay? I am not like a professor or anything. What even I know, better. I, what I know I learned on the ground with organizers. This is what they told me. Ecofeminism is about, as a human being, becoming connected literally to Mother Earth. It is about organizing your political thought, your political work and activism with her. It goes deep and fundamental to the point where we say, as ecofeminists, that in our political thought and our political work, Mother Earth has a voice and a vote in our decisions. Literally, it's, it's getting to that point where ecofeminism is really more than just about women. It's more than gender. It's about being a better human being in connection with Mother Earth and all of the innocent, vulnerable creatures that are vulnerable to us as a higher species. And it's, it's proven to me, I, it literally, it makes me cry when I see the environmental disasters that are caused because it's not so much about human beings being hurt, which they are. Let's, you know, the, the Gulf disaster with the oil. It's about the other beings that we're destroying entire species, yeah. right? We're de destroying entire species because we want a hot bath or we want to drive the car down the street or whatever. I mean, that's how mm -hmm. I see it. To me, ecofeminism is much more than just feminism it's that's part of it and we have to recognize that but it's it goes beyond that it goes it goes really into taking care of mother earth and recognizing mother earth it's a recognition that mother earth has a voice every time a species dies that's mother earth saying stop every time the water table is poisoned and a desert is created because we've sucked up all the water, that's Mother Earth saying, stop. You're hurting me. You're doing something wrong. And we're not listening to her. To me, that's what it means to me. As an eco-feminist, I am organically tied and in solidarity with, with Mother Earth. And I believe that that's what the, the water protectors and all of these indigenous peoples that is what I heard from them in Brazil. It's what I've heard from them in Africa. You know, we've met with indigenous people in South Africa, Indonesia, and other places. We've been 
speaking to present peoples, that's what they talk about. That's ecofeminism to me. When we talk about protecting Mother, Mother Earth and respecting Mother Earth, it seems like that opens up a lot of other issues like patriarchy and capitalism that's attacking Mother Earth. Um, yeah. How do you see that, Brenda? Um, yeah, well, I think that's exactly right. Um, just this morning I was looking at some statistics about how much they were slicing up uh, Big Ears Monument, for example, and how little will be left. And it's just, you know, those those sort of things, um, there are, for me, I, I respond to them emotionally. You know, it's not just um, something that's happening over there, but I feel like it's, that's part of ecofeminism is that you don't feel the separation between land and the earth and your own well-being like it's it's all a whole it's holistic and so i take it personally you know and um yeah it's very upsetting and we can see a lot of the the attacks with um extraction happening all over you know the world but um, I feel like the ecofeminism is like Mother Earth has to be the first um, woman on International Women's Day that we're honoring, you know, right? first and foremost. That's, that's great. I agree. Gabo, how do you feel about um, <clears throat> ecofeminism and protecting Mother Earth? Well, what Rosalinda said really resonated with me because you had mentioned earlier, we're human beings, you know, like beyond being a feminist, you know, what does it mean to be a human being, to be part of this world? And I think as a society, because of patriarchy, uh, racism, um, capitalism, we've forgotten that it's not just about humans as a species. We're part of this web on earth that is interlinked and we don't have the right to destroy other species, we don't have the right to pollute is because a lot of what I read and hear when we hear about talk about pollution, about the environment, it's always the next generation, about the next the people being affected and that's really important, but we never mm -hmm. talk about the earth as this um, very com complex being that we're all part of and we need to take that into consideration. And I think personal for me, Personally, for me as an eco-feminist, I have to start thinking about my own behavior, how I live, how I interact every day with the physical environment around me and um, the impact of my decisions. Making a verse, you know, um, maybe it will have an adverse effect. And I, you know, that's something I've been personally working on for the past 20 years, you know, and um, what I can do personally, I guess, and teaching my kid, you know, how to be an eco-feminist. Um, there, there are some behaviors, there are behaviors as, as humans that we have that are specifically tied to patriarchy. And eco-feminism is about understanding that, that there, there have been behaviors that have been constructed by men, by the the male species, the male of our species, right, into a political construct that has created capitalism, that has created the idea of um, monarchs and kings and presidents and governments and colonized and you know built empires. 
led by men, you know, we recognize as ecofeminists that there has been a progression of powerful patriarch um, building political construction around us to to contain our behavior as ecofeminists. This what we you know what, what we just said. Um, there are men sitting in corporate boardrooms, totally looking to destroy these concepts, right? And I think as ecofeminists in our organization, in Community to Community, we talk about why it's important to confront patriarchy. Patriarchy causes us to, to, to continue to destroy Mother Earth. Capitalism is the way that the incentives are built into, into you know, extraction and using her for, for making money. Settler colonialism is another patriarchal way of controlling our ability to be able to bring back our traditions that we know worked, that protected Mother Earth. You know, we talk about race and how it, these are all like layers, right, that, that as ecofeminists we have to address. And the challenge, I think, comes in how we do that. How do we do that with love? Because ultimately we can't we can't destroy to build, you know. We have to undo and reconstruct at the same time. And I think that's the challenge for all of us. But it is very clear that patriarchy has been the tool to profit of, of us as women, right? Mm -hmm. And our children and also off of Mother Earth. And I always I always think it's like, I am the mother of three sons. Each one of us. How many women have sons? And it's also, I think, an eco-feminist responsibility to raise our sons to not fit into that patriarchal model. Exactly. And that's, I challenge yeah. all of you, mm -hmm. radio listeners out yeah. there, if you're a mother yeah. and you have male children, it's up to us as eco-feminists. Yeah to raise our sons, to end the cycle yeah. that has just gone on for yeah. so long, you know. And our daughters, too, not to participate in that system. That's right. Because when we think about it, women are also complicit because, you know, why did feminism become a dirty word? Why is there backlash against ecofeminism? And mm -hmm. we're more than half the population. So why are not more women in solidarity to stand up and fight That's back right. against patriarchy, right? Yep. And we need our daughters and our sons to do that. We yep. can we can end the system. That's right. Yep. I think that patriarchy, capitalism, um, for example, work off of each other. Um, you call them layers, I mm -hmm. agree. But they also are working together to uh, create the systems that we're seeing, the extractive and the exploitative uh, systems of labor and of our natural resources and of women and families, redefining how families um, should be in, in the most productive way for the capitalist system to make profit for That's certain right. people. Because I, I think when we look back in history, um, before capitalism, family structure and a woman's roles were very different. Women had each other and we had uh, knowledge that we passed down and knowledge that we freely shared. 
now we only have these nuclear families and we're not connected with our aunts and grandmothers that are getting smaller and smaller right yeah two children two parents <laughs> it's like yeah. and yeah. we lose so much um power in that and knowledge where we yeah. weren't de as dependent on capitalism and these external um systems that wanted to tell us what we do with our bodies how we raise our children do we send our sons and daughters to the their wars for example and all these other issues so i i see capitalism and patriarchy and also patriarchy promoting heterosexuality mm. what is that I, I i mean that they're they're trying to create maybe a a bigger workforce for their factories um so women are just a function of having babies in the heteropatriarchal capitalist system. So they it seems like patriarchy and capitalism, racism, they all work together yep. to support each other and create what they create in this machine that's just exploitative and extractive and racist and sexist. <laughs> so <laughs> many so many of that yeah. <laughs> oppressions. Yeah, um, we when we talk about ecofeminism um, outside of the radio show, we talk about how it also needs to redefine power, and I think that's that right. um, that's an important um, discussion too and reflection. I think that there's been um, so much of of this; these oppressions have been so refined. Uh, and refined, and uh, unfortunately, it's because in the United States, the comfort of capitalism, there's a lulls people into these comfort levels that are really hard to give up, really hard to give up, you know. Uh, and I think that that's the, that's the most interesting uh, type of work that we have to do because it's, I mean, I feel it personally myself, you know, some of the comforts that we have. Um, and listening to my mother and we listened to our elders and how tough their lives were, you know, and, and them saying how lucky we are that we don't have those hardships, um, you know, like hauling water and planting our own food for one thing. My mother, you know, talks about that. Although she enjoyed it very much, uh, there's no way she could do it anymore because she's, she's getting older. So I think that mm -hmm. the comfort level that has been created in the United States is extremely difficult to um, to reconstruct that th that power and uh, reconstruct into another way of, of being is really difficult. Um, Joazi from the Landis People's Movement visited us. Uh, I think it was in 2016. She was with us for two weeks. I remember. Yes, and she's mm -hmm. one of the accomplished organizers and leaders in the Landis People's Movement in Brazil. And we've been exchanging information with them. We've been exchanging learnings. And she came and spent two weeks with us. She'd never been in the United States with us. And we're, mm -hmm. we consider ourselves um, an, an MST uh, protege or learning organization from them. We're learning from them. And she looked at me sadly and she says, Rosalinda, it's going to be very difficult. I see why your challenge is so big. He says, people are so comfortable here. Complacent. Yeah. In, yeah. In mm -hmm. Complacent and comfortable and to move them out of this comfort level. She says, I need to go back and really think about what that means. 
And, and she was sad because she says the United States redefining power, right, and the power that the U.S. holds over other peoples and other nations is extreme. So how we behave here and how we build movements is important to them because we're like a, a resistance, you know, to try to change the capitalist model and the patriarchal model and the white supremacist model, supremacist model in the U.S. So it's a... It's not easy um, to do this in the deep north, to be women of color who are beyond, who, who also say we're eco-feminists. It's not easy. Uh, but it's a challenge I relish, frankly, because what else is there? I mean, honestly, um, it's extremely interesting. I get to spend time with you and know women like yourselves. That is just, it's a gift. I mean, I, I can't think of Mother Earth being more generous to, to women like me, you know, a farm worker, didn't go to high school, who has the ability to be able to have these conversations, um, is pretty, pretty powerful. Well, I know I'm always grateful to learn and um, be in company with you too, Rosalinda. I second that. <laughs> me too. I'm learning so much just hearing yeah. you talk right yeah. now. Well, you know, I just wanted to say also, there is not one definition of ecofeminism either. I want all you women listening out there, that's the beauty of ecofeminism, is we get to define it based on our movements, which is, you know, you just need to be one with the earth. How do, how do you think power has affected you, Gabo, in the U.S.? Having power or the lack of power? Either. Well, yeah, how <laughs> how power manifests, you know, here um, in this system. And it, you know, it depends on what your position is in that system, whether you have power or not, right? Yeah. And how we look at power, what how we define what is powerful and how, how what we value in this country gives it power, too. It's, um, it's a very complicated thing and it's complex and you know having started going to art you know like my understanding of power has always been very academic and personal because I've studied that in graduate school but just having gone to um, a lot of RJC meetings in the past year you know going to the PMA people movement assembly you know I'm having a better understanding of it on a community level. I've never been a community activist, um, but I try to live my life, try and, you know, since early on, try to understand what my role is when I came to this country as a very powerless, voiceless person. I didn't speak English. You know, I had no voice. I encountered a lot of racism. And, and having to try and navigate that, knowing when it was safe to speak, when it's not safe to speak, and what power was working against me and knowing if I did well in school, I can get the hell out of there. And I can learn to have a voice, have an education. And when I say it's complicated and complex, you know, I've gone to college and I've had a very privileged education. I'm married to a Caucasian man. So, you know, so does that give me some power? You know, being having that privilege, being able to have a voice and not be afraid to have that voice, it gives me some power. But given that we live in a racist, patriarchal, settler colonialist society, no, I don't really have much power when push comes to shove. Mm -hmm. The power I have, I can speak out, but that power is probably not going to listen to me. 
So what can I do as a woman of color who is not afraid to speak up? I just will have to continue to speak up and to press on and to call truth to power and live the way that I want to live and teaching my daughter who's 11 years old to not be afraid to use her voice. Mm. Um, and I think that's a powerful thing, you know, because so many people are so afraid to speak out yep. against injustice, not just to ourselves, but to the community, to other people that we see around us. And I feel like we have to examine that and give up that fear. You know? mm -hmm. Great. Um, we're gonna go on another break and uh, we're gonna leave you with the beginning of a song by a com Colombian Canadian singer that um, we've, you've heard before, Lido Pimienta. And the song is called Quiero Jardines. Un jardín comienza con una semilla y una visión alimentada con la luz del sol. Sigue así, sigue así, amor mío, sigue así. Llega todo alrededor, tus sueños viven en mi cuerpo. Vida aquí, vida aquí, nada es justo, hay vida aquí. Te regalo el resplandor, amanece en el desierto. Quiero ir, quiero ir, detrás tuyo quiero ir. Comenzar la humanidad de otro planeta y universo. Corazón de paz. Welcome back. You're listening to Community Voice Radio Show. And we were just talking today about um, International Women's Day and ecofeminism. And we left off the discussion before the break talking about redefining power through an ecofeminist, indigenous feminist lens. Rosalinda, what were you saying um, about redefining power? Well, again? you know. Um, when you talk about ecofeminism, um, you can't, it's not, you can't silo a political thought around that. You can't say ecofeminism does this, right? Or ecofeminism is this thing. It's like, we are ecofeminism. It's like, it depends on the people, what they're doing. And, and I think, you know, International Women's Day definitely is about redefining power. I, we were looking up the, the original Women's Day in the United States happened in, was an action by women, workers, the garment workers in 1908. There was a garment, 1909, 1909 there was a garment mm -hmm. fire in oh, a factory. In, that, that was 1911, actually, the Triangle uh, Shirt Factory No, fire. this was another one. I oh, mean, I think, okay. So I think in the United States, it's part of the labor movement, right? In the United States, there were many, many, many disasters and tragedies around workers because working conditions were so bad for everybody. But in 1909, the garment workers organized themselves and had an all-women's march. And that's where, I mean, we can claim that in the United States, that women workers came together and had an all-women's march. It wasn't like 
just a march to march as women. These were women that were dying at work and came together and redefined their power by coming together and marching in the streets and demanding action and then taking action. Um, and it was part of the entire, they were part of the this movement across the United States for worker rights, worker power, and the the development of worker unions, right? The, the union, the labor movement began with all of these actions. This was just one of them. So I think when we talk about redefining power, ecofeminism is about that. It's about redefining power. It's, it's not just about destruction or, you know, shaming or, un, you know, uh, destroying. It's about undoing and recreating into a better world. I mean, our motto at C2C is another world is possible. And on a quiet day, we can hear breathing, hear her breathing. And that is from Arundhati Roy, who is my mentor. She's amazing. Everybody should go read her stuff. I agree. Um, she is amazing. But when you redefine power, you talk about redefining power, that's exactly what we're doing when we have the vigils in front of the city council. Let's define the power first that we know exists when we talk about redefining the power, right? So there is a characteristic to the power in the city council and the county council that is harmful to vulnerable communities in Whatcom County and in Bellingham. And those of us that have been harmed are finally saying, you're hurting us. And you're hurting us in a very well-constructed political way. You're hurting us by the way you spend our taxes. You're hurting us by the way you choose not to spend the taxes. You are, there's a characteristic of arrogance in the current power structure of the city and the county. And I say this freely and I say this willingly as a person in a supposedly democratic society to criticize and to resist when I feel that our communities are being attacked and oppressed with an existing power. So what we're doing with our vigils and what we do with our people's movement assemblies and other gatherings, what we do with this radio show, is we're trying to redefine power by first saying the power that you're holding is bad for us. It's good for some people, we know that, but not us. So as an elected, as elected representatives, whether you're on the city council or the county council or the mayor or the county executive or the, or the county sheriff, there are some that are really benefiting from your power, but we're not. So we want to work with you to redefine your power so that we can have equity and we can feel that we are also part of the community and that we belong with everybody else. The power that you have right now is telling us we do not, that we are less than others, that we are less deserving than others. And then you, you use your power to tell us what we do deserve. We deserve mm -hmm. deportation. We deserve to be jailed. In fact, we deserve to be jailed so much that you're going to build a bigger jail, right? Mm -hmm. This is the way we see it. And being poor and is then, a crime Oh, too. yes, and we're poor. Well, that's our problem. And, and how do you tell us? Because you have these workshops that say, well, we have all of this money that we're going to use to teach poor people how to spend their money better. When we as poor people can tell you, it's not that we don't know how to spend our money better. There's no it's money. that we don't have mm -hmm. enough. Right. Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. So sure, you can have a nice budget 
if you're making $200,000 a month. Hell yeah, if I ever made that much money, I'll sit down and budget it. <laughs> but if you don't even make enough to pay your rent, what's the budget there? Right. Do you know exactly. how insulting it is to tell a poor person that um, you're going to do better if you just take these workshops and we'll show you how to manage your money better? That's telling us it's our fault. Yeah. It's our fault that we're poor. That's the power that exists. We want to redefine that as ecofeminists by saying this is a white patriarchal power that is militaristic, therefore violent towards us because you are doing sweeps of vulnerable homeless people that are trying to survive, right? You refuse to pass an ordinance that would provide the very basic safety for undocumented immigrants and farm workers that are keeping this agricultural county viable. You refuse to recognize us by not even, by, I should say, you're forced to listen to our voices in city council spaces, but you don't have to be forced to treat us with respect and dignity as we're speaking because you roll your eyes, you look sideways, you look at each other with special <laughs> looks to each other because you're having a little love fest and we're not part of it. We are the annoyance. And, and you know, C2C has been here 15 years. Many, many leaders of color coming through C2C and myself have said in many ways what the solutions are. That's we, right. We have not been listened to. Mm -hmm. So now, as ecofeminists, we're talking about the redefinition of power. And I think that's one of the most important things because... People of color can redefine what power is. People of color have been trying to do that. Black people in the United States and because black people are being shot on the streets at will by whomever, that's why black lives matter is important. Right. Because when we allow black people to be treated that way, it gives permission for the rest of us to be treated in the same manner. Exactly. And that's why we cannot silo ourselves Ecofeminism is about all of those intersections. We cannot, as ecofeminists, allow the current power structure to harass transgendered and LGBTQ community. Because if we allow that, then it's also on us, right? That's exactly It's all right. of this intersectionality. That's what redefining power is. We want to redefine what the power in at the city council and the county council is it should be it is not respectful mm -hmm. it should be they should comport themselves with dignity not trump-like behavior right they should talk to us with respect and dignity because we deserve it mm -hmm. and they should govern which means don't tell us things can't be done the way we want them figure it out that is your job as a person that's been elected to govern in the city. Do it. And we're willing to help you if you treat us with respect and dignity. Because we're not stupid. We know. We know that as a homeless person, you know, I need a place to stay and I need to go to the bathroom. You think homeless people like to go to the bathroom on a street corner? Does anybody do that? You're forcing people to do that. And we feel it. We at C2C, as ecofeminists, feel the indignity of these homeless people who can't even have a bathroom. Yeah. That redefines the city council and the county council. You are defining yourselves as heartless, 
cruel, petty, privileged people that was elected to do what? To ignore the most vulnerable in your community. And I resent that. I don't like it. And we will, as ecofeminists, call it out. That's what ecofeminism is about. Damn right. Oh my God, Thank I you. Hear you. Here, here. I mean, they're supposed to represent. Is this still rolling? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Sorry, I just can't like, go ahead, go ahead. It's supposed to be democratic, right? They're supposed to be representational. We're their constituents. They're not representing us nope. or our interests, only some of other people's interests, you know? And I think it's a joke, you know? And I, that's why I don't vote for my city council of, you know, in those races, you know, mm -hmm. I'd rather write in somebody. And you know, this is, this brings the other criticism that we get as women of color. And I get this all the time. Well, Rosalinda, if you, if you think it's so easy, why don't you run for office, right? Why don't you, uh, if, if you want to fix things, why don't you uh, mentor and bring some Latinos to run for office? Mm -hmm. You get that question all the time. You know, why? Why, you know, why don't you participate? Why don't you, uh, you know, run a campaign or whatever? It's like, mm -hmm. really? So you elect one person of color or two people even. Let's say we're lucky and there's two people of color that get elected. Um, but you're outvoted on the council. You're surrounded by white patriarchy in a structure and a culture that's already been set. Why would I send a good-hearted, hard-fighting person to be the minority again in a city council or a county council and not be able to act on our interests because that person will be blocked every time they try? And I can say this because we've seen it over and over and over again. And then guess what? Then the thing is, well, we tried. You know, one of them did get elected, but gosh, they just didn't do anything. <laughs> Nothing happened. What can you do? It seems right. like we can't do anything right. I mean, don't tell me. I don't know the process or the structure. I'm not stupid. We, we truly can see the power. That is power. Mm -hmm. When a system is used to look like it's good for you, and it's your fault that it doesn't work for you, right? It's like, we're beyond that. <laughs> we see the patriarchy. We see the white supremacy. We see the capitalism because, oh, that's a question I have for people out there. Do the city council and county council people get paid? How much does the mayor earn? How much does Jack Lowes earn? Is this a job or is it truly a position of service to the community? We're not being served. So who's paying for them to serve the community? I want to know how much they earn, right? And I'm sure it's probably public record, but I haven't looked at that uh, because I value more what they do as service to the community, which for us, it's almost nothing um, rather than the dollars. Mm -hmm. And um, I think like we have said, and I know that in the manifesto of Black Lives Matter, you don't just fight for one oppression. You have to fight for all against all the oppressions. And that's what how we define our power by being in solidarity and that's understanding right. that and encompassing all of that. Um, we have a few announcements that we're gonna go into. Um, I have the first one. We're going to have another rapid response uh, community meeting that will 
have basic Know Your Rights and documentation on April 8th from 6 to 9 at First Congregational Church. If you have any questions, you can email welcomerapidresponse at gmail.com. Are there other announcements for the community here? Yeah, we're continuing our series on educating the community on the guest worker program, the H-2A, federal H-2A program, which is a quasi-slave labor program for agriculture. And on Monday the 12th, March 12th, um, we will be combining our Dignity Dialogues with another educational forum. And we're very fortunate to have Adrian Dervartanian from the Real Farm Worker Justice Organization in Washington, D.C., coming to speak on, on the guest worker program, the history of it, um, how it was created, why it exists, and the politics of um, immigration reform and the guest worker program in Washington, D.C. And that's from 6 to 8 p.m., at the Bellingham Unitarian Church. Not First Congregation. I mean, sorry. No, it's at the Bell it's at Bellingham Unitarian Fellowship Social Hall. Okay. Yeah. So it'll be um, Monday, March 12th, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Bellingham Unitarian Fellowship Social Hall. Okay, great. Brenda, do you have any quick announcement? We have um, less than a minute. Okay, quickly, we are still having our dignity vigils. They're from 1130 to 130. We meet at City Hall. And I just want to say thank you, everybody, all our supporters for coming out because it's growing. It's great to see that we're expanding and covering more areas. And they are definitely feeling the heat inside. It's making them uncomfortable, and it should. So please come and join us. Mondays. Monday. Great. Thanks for uh, joining us at Community Voice Radio Show and celebrating ecofeminists and indigenous feminists on International Women's Day. Thanks. De flores rojas y amarillas. Tiene tu luz acurrucada en la raíz. Quiero ir, quiero ir delante tuyo. Quiero ir, mostrarte mi camino de esmeraldas y diamantes. Thank you.